0: This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Well, hello there. This is a bonus episode of the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher and host for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. And I have a special guest along with me for this bonus episode of the One Verse Podcast. And the guest is Eric Nevins. And he is the host of the Halfway There podcast. He interviews guests and bloggers and authors and other podcasters doing sort of an interview format where he talks with them about real everyday life issues that we're facing as Christians, following Jesus, going on the journey of faith. And uh, he had me on his podcast earlier this week. Uh, We did a video, and I think it will be on his podcast. And so I invite you to go subscribe to the Halfway There podcast. You can find it pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes and Google Play, I'm sure, everywhere else. Um, And, hey, listen, if you have a podcast and would like to have me on or have Eric on, or I'm sure be on one of our podcasts, I will speak for myself there. I'll ask Eric about that in a minute then you can reach out to us on our websites and, uh, you know, talk about maybe where you're at in your journey or what you'd like to discuss, and we could sort of do a podcast swap, just like he and I are doing this week. We Christian podcasters sort of need to stick together, and uh, Eric has a Christian podcast community group on Facebook, which I'll invite him to tell us about as well. So again, if you are a Christian podcaster and um, would like to network with other podcasters That would be a great group to join. So anyway, with that in mind, I'm just going to turn it right over here to Eric, and we will introduce him to the show. So Eric, welcome to the One Verse Podcast. Let me just turn off this background music here. So did I pretty much get that summary right, Eric? That was perfect.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I do. So I host halfway there. I've been doing that almost three years. Like three years ago, I was editing my first few episodes and wondering if anybody would even listen to this thing. So 172,000 downloads later where I guess the answer is yes. Um,
0: 172,000. Yeah. (laughs) That is awesome. That's not bad, huh? Not bad at all. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I broke hundred thousand yet. So well done. How many episodes total are you at now?
1: How many episodes? I think this week was 127.
0: Wow. Okay. So I'm uh, up around 150. So more episodes, fewer downloads. Fantastic. Well done. I didn't say that to. A- <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not it's a competition. Okay, it's not a competition. I, I'm congratulating you, and that's what this is all about, right? Uh, podcasters yeah, working Thanks, together. Brother. So, no, well I, done. Well done. It's uh, it it's been
1: really kind of fun, a fun journey to just create that show and contribute. I really did it to contribute to the spiritual formation conversation. What is it like to be a Christian in the 21st century? Um, so much of what we do as the Evangelical Church, if I can just use that royal kind of we, is uh, teaching, and you're, good, you're a great teacher. I found out I'm not really a teacher, so I had to do something else and start telling stories.
0: Good, uh, and you do you have you have done that well on your podcast uh, with interviewing other people and hearing some of their stories. So tell us a little bit about your story. I've read it on uh, on your on your website, EricNevens.com, uh, but why don't you? Tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and, and what brought you to where you are, you are now.
1: Yeah, sure. So I currently live in Denver, Colorado, uh, wife and four kids, and um, I'm trying to make a go of this podcasting thing full time. So that's, that's what I do. I worked for 13 years in the financial industry and found it sucking the soul out of me. And so I had to kind of make a change. I did that last year. Um, but before that, I really was on a quest to answer the question, how do we grow in Christ? what, what is that process like? And, um, you know, why don't I see growth? Like I remember being in high school and asking the question, how come I read all these amazing things in scripture and I don't see anything like that in my little church. You know, God bless all those people, but you know, I've learned since then that spiritual growth takes time and, uh, you know, a perspective that may not always be available to a high schooler. But, um, so that was one of my, one of my, uh, one of my main kind of drivers in trying to figure out what is it really you know, like to follow Jesus today.
0: Right. With all the unique challenges mm-hmm. and issues and questions that we sometimes face in today's society and culture. I think a lot of Christians struggle with some of those things. And that's why it is so helpful to have a podcast like yours where you're interviewing other people, because then it helps us know that we're not alone on this journey, right? Even sometimes it feels that way. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's part of it. So one of the things I wanted to do was to normalize the dark night of the soul. Hmm. So we have this, um, this idea that people who know the most and do the most are the most spiritual and the most connected to God. Um, and that's just not true. The reality is there's a whole second half of that spiritual journey that leads to a life of union and love, uh, union with God and love. Um, that's, you're not getting if all you think is, I just need to know more and do more. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, part of that is the dark night of the soul. That's where God refines and takes things out of us. You've been through that. I've been through that. Yep. And it's really super important. And if we don't ever talk about it as evangelicals, we're, n- we're going to miss it. And we're not going to know what to do with it when it shows up.
0: Right. And that actually forms a fantastic transition for the passage of Scripture you and I are going to discuss today. Uh, this passage of Mark 1, 40 to 45, which you've written about and um because there is this is about a character who's going through i mean a severe dark night of the soul isn't it tell us uh, just for people who might not have their bibles open because they're in their car or walking their dog or whatever what what's going on in mark 1 40 to 45 just a real brief overview
1: yeah so this is early in jesus ministry and jesus uh shows up uh, and he's walking walking by and this leper a man who has leprosy runs up to him falls on his knees in front of jesus and says lord if you're willing You can make me clean, and there's some interesting things that happen after that with Jesus' response. And uh, you know, the guy does get healed, but how that happens and and Jesus' kind of um, thought process that maybe we'll we'll say uh, is very interesting.
0: Good. Okay, so that's the passage we're going to talk about. This is the one verse podcast, so we do try to talk about scripture one way or another in almost every episode. But before we get into this, Eric. what we're going to be talking about comes from your website, which you call the eight day experience, where you, over the course of eight days, sort of walk people through this text in a way, but it's, it's really in a unique way. So, um, what we're giving you today in the podcast is just sort of a summary and overview, but why, where did this idea come from of this eight day experience and why do you call it an experience?
1: yeah. So I found myself. I have a ton of theological education, like you. I, I got my undergrad in biblical studies, and then I did a master of divinity, and um, so I can take apart Bible the Bible, like you would expect, like any anybody. Um, but what I found toward the end of my seminary time is that I was doing something very different with Scripture, where I would take it, and for me at the beginning it was Romans eight and just the first four verses. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and, and kind of mulling that over, over and over again, coming back to it, reading it, letting it sink in, asking the Lord, what does this mean? Getting enamored with an idea and and doing that again. Um, What I found out later is that that's a process called Lectio Divina or spiritual reading. It's just Latin for spiritual reading. Um, And so I started practicing that. I went through some spiritual direction with a Jesuit, uh, I guess, priest down in um, Sedalia here. And it was a very formational experience for me. And so since then I've started, this is maybe 10 years or so I've started interacting with scripture in this way, instead of in the more sort of deep uh, or like, you know, taking apart words and and all that. I can still do that. And I do it occasionally. um, But I'm really trying to trying to let God speak to me through the passage in a little bit of a different way. I also um, so that's what the experience is referring to, right? I want what I want for you if you do this study is not to uh, walk away with a bunch of knowledge about Greek words and ideas about, you know, three ideas about what this means for your life. I want you to take a, take this passage and imagine it and step into it and observe it and maybe become, you know, one of the characters or or just have an experience with Jesus because of it. And that actually, I, I can tell you the story now if you want, but, that actually did happen to me. It was one of the reasons I chose this passage to be the first one.
0: Yeah, no, please do what, the, Okay. the story. I think you, so, you talk about it in the experience a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. So I, so last year, so for, this is kind of weird, I think, but most people try to read the Bible in a year. I read Mark in a year
0: hmm.
1: <laughs> last year. So I just kept coming back to it. And this was one of the pass. one of the reasons, because I found this one that I just was like, that blows me away. What's happening with Jesus here. Um, and so the the leper's question is very interesting. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And uh, then Jesus looks at him and we'll talk about the discrepancy there of, of uh, what Jesus was feeling. But then he touches him and he says, I am willing. And so I found myself about a year ago in communion, a communion service, uh, sitting there, reflecting on this passage that I've been reading throughout the week and saying, asking the question, Lord, are you willing? Are you willing to heal me of some of the hurts that I have and the things that I think are holding me back? And uh, is that is that your heart for me? And then I had to wrestle with the idea of actually, I don't think I believe that you're willing. Hmm. So that this is the way that God used this passage to just pull out of me some unbelief or you know shine a light on some unbelief that I had um, because of some past things. And so, thought, okay. That's, that's a really important question. I have to grapple with the character of God here and what I believe about who he is uh, and whether or not he's willing to heal me.
0: And that's why this way of reading scripture sort of as an experience, well, we're not coming to it just for Bible knowledge or facts, but to sort of almost inject ourselves or put ourselves into scripture is so powerful because a lot of us are going through the same experiences that people in scripture have gone through. And when we can see Jesus approach us the way he approaches people in scripture, uh, Bible reading becomes more than just, uh, you know, a a daily discipline because I would take my, you know, I'm supposed to take my spiritual vitamins every day or something. It's boring, but I got to do it because I know it's good for me. It it becomes really restorative and helpful and redeeming and uh, life transforming, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think it, it connects us to God. Right. In a, in a way. So there's this question for me about what is scripture actually for? What, what, what is it there for? I think it's designed to reveal God in his heart for me. Yeah. And so reading scripture in this way, and you know what I should just say, I love Bible knowledge. Like I, I think that we need to have that. There's a place for that. There's a time when that's really feed your soul. And if that's where you are, then do that by all means. But there is a time later on in the journey when you need to approach it a little bit differently after you have that foundation. And if that's you, you probably haven't been getting what you need from your church, most most churches. This is an option that hopefully will uh, open up scripture to you in a new way. I've been saying, um, you know, refresh your relationship with Jesus by changing your relationship with the Bible. Hmm.
0: Good. Beautiful. So uh, people who are listening, we are going to discuss the text in more detail now, Uh, but if if this sort of way of approaching Scripture is appealing to you, interesting to you, again, I do encourage you to go to Eric Nevin's website and uh, check out this eight-day experience he has there, and also make sure you get his podcast and some of the other resources he has there. But Eric, let's dive into the text here then. So you gave a brief overview and sort of explained how you're approaching it. So we have this leper uh, and just, I, I think probably most of my listeners are fairly familiar with leprosy, or at least the condition of lepers in in the world, and especially in the days of Jesus. But just in case there's people who don't know, review for us what is leprosy? Why why does the Bible say this man was a leper? What's going on here?
1: Yeah. Well, so leprosy was a was a skin problem, right? Or some. some yep. Mm-hmm. And it's a disease, but it can also that term can include a whole bunch of other things. Um, but basically if you had it because it was felt to be so communicable, they banished you. And so you were, you were out. So this guy lost literally everything. Yeah. So his family, his job, his house, his relationship, his ability to participate in society and the religious structures, um, all of that. And so he really is kind of the definition of somebody who's down and out. Yep. Yeah. Like he, if anybody was ever, could have that description in scripture. This this man is certainly
0: that. I think I read somewhere about leprosy back in the days of Jesus that they were so concerned about the spread of leprosy that if a leper petted a dog, they were supposed to kill the dog. So you just wow. imagine what that does to a person's psyche. I mean, they are so outcast and rejected. <laughs> That if if I mean and so they can't obviously have any human contact with anybody. Imagine going through life without a hug or a kiss or being able to sit on the couch with your loved ones or your, hold your kids. More than that, if you even have a dog, the right. dog's got to die.
1: Well, you yeah. I mean, think about that. We we're not that great uh, always as evangelicals with touch, but touch is like it's a basic human need. I mean, if a baby doesn't have touches and held, it will develop serious problems. Right. And that is no less true as an adult. Yeah. I think. So if that's the truth, then you know these people who were who were shunned just didn't have anything. They they were really in a in a dire situation.
0: Yeah. I read yesterday on Instagram. I don't know if it's true or not, but people desire a hug thirteen times a day, and they yeah. get a, they get a hug about once or twice a day. So.
1: <laughs> and so right. yeah, go ahead. Physical touch is powerful. So to to do that. You know, to not, have, to not have that would have been really, really bad. And not to mention, you know, like you said, the psychology of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jesus does something interesting, though. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, please, the,
0: please
1: do. So, so, he, well, first, I wanna to, first,
0: first though, uh, talk about the, what the leper says, because I found I, when, something you wrote here. I really, really liked what you said. Um, you talk about the tone of you ask a question about the tone of voice he used. I found that really insightful. Mm. So what does the leper say and why you ask about his tone?
1: Yeah. So the leper says, um, Lord, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Yep. And I was curious about, you know, what, like, how would he do that? So one of the ways that you can kind of get into the passage is to imagine things with different tones, especially with Jesus. This is very important. Yes. Because we can use how I did. I'm fall into this all the time. Imagine Jesus speaking with a harsh tone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but if I imagine him was speaking with a compassionate or a good or a nice tone, Um, it changes everything about his meaning. So I think in this case, um, you know, with the leper, I'm not sure exactly what his, um, you know, what his tone was, but what I hear in him is faith. So we said a guy who's at the bottom of the barrel, um, you know, why would he still believe? He had every reason to question who God is and whether or not God cares about him. And the moment he sees Jesus, he runs up to him and says, if you can If you want to, you can make me clean. And I think that's just astounding because he doesn't, he doesn't even, not even asking for healing, really. He's just making a statement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, we can't ever be certain about tone, but I do invite people and I challenge people. It's so helpful and insightful. A lot of times when we read the Bible, you know, we're reading it with sort of this monotone, emotionless, because we're coming to it just for the facts. But if we can stop and pause and start to imagine, try to creatively imagine different tones that might be in the people's voice, especially with Jesus. We're going to get to that again here, and we'll talk about the tone of Jesus in just a minute also. And obviously, like you said, we can't know for sure, but I definitely think it helps to try to imagine. And I've always said you can sort of tell how a person, just to talk about tone a little bit, I've often said that 2 Samuel, let me just pull up the verse here, 2 Samuel 12, 7 is sort of a litmus test on how people view God, if you can invite them to read this with emotion. Because this is where Nathan, the prophet Nathan, is confronting David about David's adultery. And the verse says this, and I'm going to read it emotionless. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. Okay? So, and I invite people, hey, put some emotion in this. Read it how you imagine Nathan speaking the words of God here. And if they read this in an angry tone, David, you are the man, right? Then they have a view of an angry God. But if you view it, if you read this with sorrow and passion and, oh, David, you are the man. See, it's a completely different view of God that's being presented there. And it's all in the tone. Now, again, how did did Nathan say this? the Bible doesn't really say. So, but still, it helps people sort of give an idea here. Anyway, that's just an example, and I really like that you brought that up here in your study about trying to read tone into the text because it helps make it real, it helps make it uh, really connect with our lives and the emotions that we experience. So, okay, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's move on then. Uh, Mark, uh, let's see. So, Jesus now responds, and... and. um You bring out a really interesting point here about the translation of the words of Jesus. But what in in some of the translations, we'll talk about that. What are the translation options here, and also his the tone of Jesus and how this relates?
1: Right. So verse forty-one in Mark one says Jesus was indignant. Starts out that way. Yeah. At least in the NIV. Okay. So that caught my attention, right? Jesus is indignant. Like, whoa! What's Jesus upset about? What's he? What's he mad about?
0: Right. And mine on New King James says he was moved with compassion.
1: Yeah. So most other translations say he was moved with compassion. Now that's a different kind of thing. We expect, Very different. We expect compassion from Jesus. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think this is part of the softening of Jesus in some ways that right. we that at some point it was changed. And text like so if you do textual criticism, they you, you never go from harder or softer to harder. It's always from harder to softer. So probably the original reading was Jesus was indignant, and mm-hmm. somebody along the way said, oh, "Let's just maybe." I think that means he was compassionate. He we was, don't
0: like an indignant or angry Jesus, do we? He felt bad
1: for this <laughs> leper, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh,
1: so if we accept that indignant is really the thing, uh, the reading, then we have to go. Okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, what was he upset about? And so I go through, you know, some of the different options that I got from a, a commentary uh, where I, is where I first read them, uh, but. You know, he could have been upset about um, you know, the interruption.
0: Yeah. Oh, right? this leper. Why is he interrupting me? I got places to go, people to see.
1: Don't you know I'm important? Right. Right. But of course, <laughs> Jesus this is the same Jesus who's like, no, he, he's on his way to heal somebody and he gets stopped and he's like, wait, who touched me? Right. Yeah. He's not afraid of a right of a distraction. Um, if anything, he's kind of distractable. Yep. So can um, He
0: can reject that option.
1: Yeah, right. Reject that. He <laughs> um he could be Concerned about being clean or unclean. Uh-huh. Right. Ritually but pure that's,
0: was big deal for the Jewish people. Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but he also doesn't make his disciples wash their hands before they do the ceremonial washing. Nope. So nope. Uh, probably, probably not he, that. Um, so I think when he looks at this leper, he sees all of the injustice that's been done to him because of this disease. When really he needs care and, com- and compassion and, he's received outcast and scorn mm-hmm. and i think jesus sees that and he's furious at the religious structures that have made that happen
0: absolutely yeah i loved i loved your explanation of this and that whole because you're right we we try to soften the scriptures and make it make more sense but if we just allow scriptures to just be what it says and then consider the options we end up with a beautiful really insightful understanding of the text the way you just pointed out. Jesus is indignant. He is angry. But he's not angry at the man. He's not angry at the interruption. He's not upset or indignant about possibly becoming ritually impure the way many of the religious leaders would have been. He's angry at the situation, at the social structures, at the oppression, at the physical uh, torment that this person, this leper, is experiencing because of his outcast status in society. And that's what Jesus is upset about, and it makes such a difference in reading this text, I think. So I love how you pointed that out.
1: Yeah, and I don't think compassion gets us there. No, it doesn't. I think dignity is important.
0: Yep. Um, It it reminded me, uh, and this sort of also helps us, in my opinion, understand the difficult passages in Scripture where we read about the anger or the wrath of God. Mm. Because I think here we see the anger or the wrath or the indignance of Jesus. But what's it directed at? It's directed at the, the horrible things that are happen, happening to people he loves. And uh, uh, Wayne Jacobson uh, uh, has, tells a story about when he was out uh, at a picnic with his wife and his kids and his kids are off playing off somewhere near the woods or something. And all of a sudden, one of them just started screaming and yelling. They were, had upset a hornet's nest and uh, the bees were starting to sting the child. And he said his wife starts running towards his child and the child looks at the mom coming and starts crying and screaming because of the angry look on the mother's face. But when the mother gets up there, what does she do? She's not angry at the child. She starts swatting away the bees, and she doesn't care that she's about to get stung either. She is here to protect and rescue her child from getting stung. And that's I, I, that's a picture, a beautiful picture, I think, of the anger or wrath of God. He jumps in, like Jesus is doing here, to protect and save and deliver and rescue and heal and restore, and he's angry at the situation that has caused it, not at the person who finds themselves experiencing this. So beautiful, beautiful picture you brought out. I love that. All right. So then what happens?
1: So then Jesus does this thing. And this is how we know he's not concerned about being unclean. He reaches out and he touches the guy. Yep. And so we already talked about how touch was probably completely deprived from this man. This is might be the first time he's been touched in years.
0: Jesus didn't need to do that. Did he?
1: No, he didn't. Right. He could have healed him right away, but he knew So he reached out and touched him. He says, I am willing. And that's another place where I think tone matters. Right. Yeah. I I think, uh, and he says, be clean and the leprosy leaves him.
0: Mm. So beautiful. Okay. And then Jesus tells him, don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's interesting because this leper who had faith in Jesus does, he, he doesn't really obey Jesus. Uh, he goes out and tells everybody what what's that about
1: well that's interesting so I've had a lot of people say things to me about this because they're perplexed by it because apparently this guy just completely disobeys Jesus yeah and so we see that as a bad thing right but here's here's what I take away from this I think real healing is the kind of thing you can't stay quiet about so I, I ran into a guy and i'm maybe I'm gonna interview him soon but he um he's trying to do a, a world evangelism day. And I asked him, I said, why do you think people don't share their faith?
0: Hmm.
1: And he said, well, they're scared or, you know, they don't, they don't uh, want to seem weird or whatever. And I, thought, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Sometimes I know that's been the case for me, but here's why I think we don't share faith because we haven't had a really deep miraculous healing. Like where we're, so once we have, or experience even, so once, once you have a really profound experience of Jesus, you can't help but talk about it. Yeah. That that's what happens. And yeah. so this is what this guy does. He goes out and he tells everybody, Jesus sent him to the priest and said, "Hey, you can have your life back. Go tell him that you're all good." And he's like, "I'm telling everybody about this thing to the point that Jesus can't even go into town because he's just going to get mobbed." And so people have to bring him all the stuff he needs, and he stays out in the wilderness somewhere.
0: Hmm. Yeah, he almost becomes a little outcast himself, sort of. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> that's a that's an interesting reversal, isn't
0: it? Huh. Yeah. So the person who's reading this text, I I mean, I think some of the parallels, especially if they put themselves into the position of the leper, I mean, that's probably the best place to start to get an experience of this text, right? Um, How how does this speak to that person? I mean, what what sort of emotions or experiences might someone in our day, because we don't really deal with leprosy here in the United States too much— but what, what are some of our leprosies that we have today? And, and what does this passage say to the person who is experiencing that?
1: Yeah. Well, there's so many ways that we can be broken, right? I mean, we, we all have these things they are all over the news, Uh, whether it is a physical ailment, it could be an emotional ailment. Um, You know, it could be rejection or loss. Um, You know, we, we see a lot right now about the sexual brokenness in, in, Leaders and, and all kinds of people. Um, the reality is, those are the kinds of things that we need to take to the Lord and ask for healing. And I believe He wants to heal. Hmm. He, he wants to change. So, but we have to be willing to go. I think we have to trust Him. So that's that's where the example of the leper was so powerful because he still, I, even in all these terrible circumstances, he still believes that God can heal him if He wants to. And um, so, like I said, for me, the question was, is God willing? That was an emotional experience for me. I was, I, I was cursing there crying on the pew. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that we always believe that. And so drawing that out, whether it's, you know, sorrow or just joy, you know, at the fact that Jesus does want to, want to heal you. I mean, there's a lot of emotions that, that come with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful text. Is there anything else on this passage you wanted to comment on before we sort of wind down here? Anything we missed? Um, no,
1: I think that's that's really the gist of it. I think just willing to see Jesus as willing. You know, is is he willing? That's why I called it Jesus Is Willing, an eight day experience in Mark one, forty through forty five.
0: Good. So people want to connect with you. I sort of mentioned it here and there throughout the episode already, but uh, tell us, tell you where you want people to go, how they can connect with you, where they can find you.
1: Yeah. The best way to find me is at ericnevins.com. That is my website. You can find halfway there, podcasts, like you said, in all the podcatchers and whatever your app you like to use is, you'll find stories there, including Jeremy's. And, um, the, uh, to get the eight day experience, if you want to do that, just go to ericnevins.com up at the top, there is a link that says eight day experience. It'll show you the ones that I've written so far. And I, I have this plan to make it a whole series. So we're, we're working on it.
0: Yeah. You have, you have the one on Mark. Let's see. Is there another one there?
1: Yeah. There there's, you know what? I'm yes. So there is another one. I don't know if it's in that link, but okay. Okay. Uh, on John 2, on the um, the wedding at Cana and the turning water into right. wine. So that one looks at the experience. This is what we talked about the other day. Right. Uh, faith, I think, is really based on experience, probably more than we would like to give it credit for. And so I walk the users through, um, the, the readers through, kind of let's make a list of our own experiences with Jesus. And then some of those might need to be repurposed, like Jesus repurposes the jars that he... He changes the one In
0: good, yeah. So I like how you have that right there at the top. I'm looking at the website right now. Eight day experience. The link is right at the top there in the menu bar, and you have the two right now. With uh, more in the series coming, hopefully, so that people can experience Scripture uh, in this in this really personal and helpful and healing way. So really appreciate that, Eric. Thank you so much. We got to do this again sometime, and I appreciate having me on your podcast earlier this week and also last year. Uh, And and again, if you're listening to this and you really like sort of this approach to Scripture, make sure you visit ericnevins.com, get his eight-day experience. And also, since you're listening to a podcast, that means you probably like podcasts. Subscribe to the Halfway There podcast and uh, find that you're not alone in this journey. Get inspiring and helpful, instructive, encouraging stories from other Christians who are also halfway there, right? Is that what that means? That's what that means. Yep
1: means there's only we're, we're never we're always on the journeys one step in front of the other we i don't think even when we're in heaven that we're gonna or in eternity i should say we're we're gonna be we're gonna
0: know everything about god we're always gonna be learning absolutely i 100 percent agree good all right thank you eric we'll talk Thanks, to you again too. okay bye